In this episode of 2000 Books, leadership coach Peter Bregman reveals the ultimate secret to thriving in life. He also talks about why self-awareness is a very important weapon in the arsenal of an entrepreneur and breaks down the four components of self-awareness. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. Books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, self-help, and much more. And I'm your host, Manny Vine. By the way, as part of the 2000 Books podcast launch, for today only, we're giving away 100, yes, 100 free copies of today's audiobook. So text the word SUMMARY to 44222 and we will send you all the information on how you can grab today's audiobook for free. Remember, this is only valid for today and once these 100 copies are gone, they're gone. So take action quickly. Peter Bregman is the CEO of Bregman Partners, a leadership coaching company where he advises CEOs and leaders of Fortune 500 companies. Peter is a prolific author, and today we're talking about his Wall Street Journal bestseller on productivity. 18 minutes, find your focus, master distractions, and get the right things done. I think I got that right. Right, Peter? Yes. Yep, that's it. (laughs) All right. Uh, So tell tell us about this book. Why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book? You know, I'm an entrepreneur, and and I think uh, the most important thing for me as an entrepreneur is how I spend my time. That basically anything that I get done is a product of how I'm choosing to spend my time. I could choose it going through emails and cleaning out my inbox for the sake of cleaning out my inbox. I could use it writing uh, marketing materials. I could use it writing books. I could use it speaking. I could use it doing interviews. It's it's how we spend our time ultimately drives the outcomes that we have. And I think many of us are um, less ambitious about how we spend our time than we should be. I think we are more reactive to the things that are happening around us than we are sort of strategic and intentional about how we spend our time. And I think for entrepreneurs, uh, maybe more than anyone else, being strategic and intentional about where we place our attention and how we focus our time is perhaps the most important decision that we can make. Absolutely. And uh before we get into the nuts and bolts of the book, uh, I wanted you to tell our listeners your personal story and what led you to writing this book. So, you know, I have the same struggles. As I said, I'm an entrepreneur and I have the same struggles that everybody else does. And I sort of write the books that I need to read. And in uh, going through all of my sort of challenges, I've written three books now and my challenges in writing and my challenges in getting my most important work done, you know, I found that I was often busy all day and my most important work wasn't done. And I started to ask questions about that. And, you know, why is it that I'm working tirelessly and still, you know, not creating the things I value most? And I started reading a bunch of books about them. And all of the books were based on the same myth. All of the books, in my view, were based on this myth that if you only use someone's process, if you, you know, write the right kind of to-do list, if you... Uh, uh, you know, label your folders properly. If you process your intake of information in the right way, you can get it all done. The ultimate promise of every book is that you can get it all done. And I think fundamentally, I disagree with that. I think that um, we can't get it all done. We are a limited resource, and each one of us. And you know, and I mean this in the great ultimate existential sense, which is that eventually we're all going to die. This is the motivational part of this interview, um, but but it's like we're eventually going to all die, and 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 you know eventually we have to get sleep, and eventually, 
you know, we're just a limited resource. And we try to prove that we're not by doing all sorts of things like multitasking and rushing around and sleeping less. But all of those things are proven to be ineffective, are proven to um, not work uh, and actually make us less productive rather than more. So, so I wrote the book because I wanted to bust that myth. And I also wanted to look at the idea that if ultimately we weren't going to get it all done, how do we live our lives in a way that we get our most important things done? And that ultimately is what the book's about. Yep. And uh, it's absolutely a fascinating read. So let's, uh, let's get into the book. I mean, give our listeners like a 10,000 feet overview of the book. Um, just a quick, maybe a minute or two. You know, the quick overview of the book is that it's divided into three main parts. Uh, one is what is your year about? What is your day about? And what is this moment about? And that ultimately for us in living our lives, we need to make sure that we start with the broader picture of what is the outcomes that we want and what is um, of value to us. What do we want to spend our time on? What do we want to grow? We have to start there. And, and the book uh, helps us uh, with kind of understanding how we make that kind of decision, right? How we decide what to spend our year on. And, and once you've understood that, then you're beginning to chip away at the unnecessary things, the things that don't fit into those categories. So, you know, what, what you need to decide if you're going to spend your time on things that are important to you, you have to decide what you're not going to spend your time on, what you're not going to do. And the, so the first part is about saying, you know, how do we use the best of who we are to do the work that we need to do? How do we find ourselves at our sweet spot so that everything that we do is really kind of leading to using our best selves to accomplish our most important work? Um, then the section on what is this day about is very much about the 18, process, 18 minutes process and what we can do to structure our days and our attention in a way that keeps us following through on the things that are most important for us to accomplish over the year. And then what we do in this moment is about how to manage the distraction. And, and in some ways, if you look at the subtitle of the book, Find Your Focus, Master Distraction, and Get the Right Things Done, that loosely relates to the first part, Find Your Focus, which is what your year about is, your, is about. What your day is about is get the right things done. And and um, what your moment is about is mastering distraction. So the book kind of covers those three essential elements to deliver on the promise of the subtitle, find your focus, master distraction, and get the right things done. Great. And I'm going to jump into it. You know, we're gonna, now we're going to talk about the three key ideas in the book. And this is where I like to talk at length about um, the three most important ideas for an entrepreneur. And I think you started off that discussion initially by saying, um, and this is what I think is one of the most fundamental ideas, which is the secret to thriving in life is to do fewer things. It's like, as you said, it's impossible to get it all done. Yeah, there's this there's this wonderful uh, Michelangelo quote, and and I might I might butcher it, I might not get it um, quite right, but it's um, it was about uh, it, almost in response to a question of of how you cre- how he created David, you know the the sculpture David, but the quote is actually I pulled it up here now, so I won't butcher it. In every block of marble, I see a statue. I have only to hew away 
the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it. And it's fundamentally what I believe uh, actually about all of our lives. I believe that every single one of us, first of all, is probably doing the right things, but we're also doing the wrong things. And we're doing so many wrong things that our lives look like sort of the rough walls of an uncut block of marble. And our job is to sculpt our lives in a way that that um, reveal, that um, free the lovely apparition that is inside that, uh, that sort of rough-hewn uh, block of marble. That essentially what we need to do is to find that sweetness of our greatest capability and capacity and reflection of who we are as a person in the world. And we have to get all the noise out of the system that's covering up that. So we have to sort of, you know, wipe off the, the dirt and the coal around the diamond so that the diamond can shine. And, and I think there's a tremendous amount of things that we uh, do that are right, but a tremendous amount of things that we do that cloud those right things. And the harder job is what we're going to say no to than it is um, to decide what we want to say yes to. Yeah, and and as I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, as ambitious people, as ambitious entrepreneurs, it's it's really it's it's just uh, so hard to start saying no because you feel like you can do everything you want to. You want to try this. You want to do that. You want to conquer the world in some ways. And uh, what you're saying is quite counterintuitive. In some ways, it's paradoxical. You're saying, "Well, let's do less rather than let's do more, or let's do fewer things and let's get." good at those things rather than try all these different things. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you might really have to do it with um, sort of trial and error. And it's, you know, there's like different ways of dealing with it. But, um, but that's exactly right. You know, like really the first step is to know what it is that's important to us. And the second step is to stop doing all that other stuff that's getting in the way. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, we're going somewhat, uh, back back and forth is this but this is like the second or the second big idea or probably one of the biggest ideas which is the four elements that make us i guess that both of these kind of tie in together in some ways right so let's talk about that so uh so those four four elements which uh i sort of talk about that define your sweet spot which is that we all want to be operating at the intersection of our strengths our weaknesses our passions and our differences and we actually spend a tremendous amount of time and energy doing the opposite. So, you know, what we end up doing is we hide our strengths or we don't even know our strengths. I don't know what fish talk about, but it's not water, right? Because they live and breathe water. And so that's not they, – they just assume that that's the reality that everybody exists in. I mean I'm assuming. I've never talked to a fish. <laughs> but but I, that's true for us too. I mean when we're really, really – when I heard – for the first time, I heard that people fear public speaking more than death. You know, do, do you understand that? Like that they would rather yep. die than do what I do. That That's a surprise to me because it's not hard for me to speak in public. I like speaking in public. It's a strength that I don't even really necessarily recognize it's a strength because, because I do it so much. And so that's a um, – uh, that's that's a critical piece. And also people tend to be abashed about their strengths. They tend to not want to come off as braggarts. Or, and so they um, often are um, 
much less willing to really leverage their strengths. Weaknesses, we all try to develop our weaknesses. We try to fix our weaknesses. We try to get better. We hide, we're embarrassed about our weaknesses. But that's a mistake also, first of all, because it's very, very hard to develop a weakness, that you could get good enough that it doesn't get in your way, but it's unusual that you would get good enough that um, it becomes a strength. And the second is that actually, for a lot of people, their strengths, um, their weaknesses are actually strengths. And the story that I share in the book is I was at lunch with a friend of mine, a very, very wealthy man. He had given away $500 million, given it away. Mm -hmm. And I was at lunch with him. And he ordered the Caesar salad with uh, shrimp. But he said, instead of shrimp, I'd like to get uh, salmon. And the waiter said, it's not a problem, sir. It'll just be an extra dollar. And he thought about it for a second. He goes, you know what? I'm fine. I'll just take the shrimp. <laughs> and, and I said, look, you know, like you've given away a lot of money. Like maybe you gave away a dollar too much. But, but I, I can, maybe it's my dollar. Let me, I know you're taking me to lunch. You know, let me spend my dollar to buy you exactly what you want. And he said, you know what? It's not worth it. Uh, I, um, I don't uh, – it's not, it's, not, it's not worth it for me. I'd rather just get the shrimp. It's not a big deal. Now, we could all look at that, which I did at the time, and think, you know, this guy kind of has a little bit of a problem. And maybe we take my dollar and we put it in the therapy jar and eventually, <laughs> you know, like he could work through this thing. Or we could look at him and say, how did this guy make all of his money? Right? Hundreds of millions of dollars. He made all of his money buying undervalued real estate. In other words, for him, spending a dollar is only worthwhile if in his mind he already sees it as $10. And to him, it wasn't worth $10, so it's not worth a dollar. And in fact, that thing that we call a weakness that we might try to beat out of him or therapize out of him or train or develop out of him is actually the strength that enabled him to make hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, in fact, our, our weaknesses are really something very unique and special about us that give us this sort of competitive advantage that allows us to be really successful. And, the, uh, and then our passions, we often relegate our passions to hobbies, right? It's something that, you know, we shouldn't be spending our lives on. But in fact, you know, our passions are the key to specifically what we should be spending our lives on. That, you know, one of the first articles I wrote for Harvard, you know, now we're talking more than five or six years ago, uh, that was – that really – like it was the first article I wrote and it quickly became the most popular article on the site was uh, entitled, The One Interview Question You Should Always Ask. And that question was, what do you do in your spare time? Because if I could hire you for what you do in your spare time, then – I'm done managing you. You're going to keep doing it and you're going to work at it and you're going to get better at it because you love it because this is what you do in your spare time because you would do it for free. And uh and that's the kind that's the way that passion really develops, you know, into incredible strengths and sweet spot. And then the fourth is our differences. We spend a tremendous amount of time trying to fit in and trying to look like everybody else and not stand out. But when we do that, all we're doing is we are increasing our pool of competition. That ultimately, if if I have you know a hundred people and they all look the same, I could fire any one of them. It doesn't matter. But if one of them looks different and one of them brings something to the party that the other ones don't, that becomes my most valuable person out of the whole hundred. So, really, to be in your sweet spot is to accentuate your strengths, your weaknesses, your passions, and your differences. And we spend a lot of energy doing the opposite, but that's really where we should be spending our time. This is great, Peter. I mean, it's it's so much about self-awareness here, about understanding who we are and really 
as you say, we need to play our game. We need to play the game that is suited to us rather than try to fit ourselves into the games that others have created for us in our lives. That's great. That's exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we have to, you know, that's exactly right. We have to not try to fit in in some ways. And that's hard to do. We, you know, we, we like to fit in because it feels like there's safety in fitting in. But the truth is that safety is just an illusion, right? That, that it, it kind of keeps us down in a certain way. And what we really need to do is to take that risk of stepping into the fullness of who we are. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly that. The fact that uh, it's scary, it's risky to try to, st- to not even try to stand out, to, but to be who you are and to stand out as you are. It's way easier to try and fit in and be one of the many so that you don't get noticed, so you don't get uh, called upon in some ways, or you don't, you know, <laughs> you don't have to challenge your comfort zones. But this is where real growth is when we just allow ourselves to be who we are and follow through on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of like the way you define passion and the way you talk about passion, I, I, I wanted to explore it a little further because, you know, there's so much talk about passion in the world today compared to maybe what it was a few decades ago. Um, because there's this there's a reason why passion works, because it gives us persistence. It gives us meaning. It gives us, you know, uh, this sense of ease of trying to go after what we want. So let's talk about that a little bit. Because persistence is probably the most as a lot of researchers found out and grit and persistence are the most important components of success but without passion we can't have either yeah that ultimately you know it's malcolm gladwell's eight ten thousand hours right that if you're willing to spend ten thousand hours in real practice of something not just doing it but practice and thinking about it reflection and learning and trying again no one's going to spend that amount of time doing that if we are not interested in what we're doing, if we're not passionate about it, if we're not engaged with it, we're just not going to do that. We're not going to spend that amount of time. And so it's, it's, it's a, you know, when you think about it that way, it's kind of a no brainer, which is that if we can focus on the things that we're most passionate about, we'll be truly excellent at those things. And being truly excellent at those things is what's necessary to, to sort of stand out and achieve what we most value. So, you know, passion's a critical piece of it. And if we're spending our time doing things that we really don't love or we're really not crazy about, then I think it's going to be hard to ever get good enough that we could make the kind of impact that we want to live. Yep, yep. And I guess really important for us entrepreneurs to understand. So let's let's talk about, I guess, the next big idea in this book that i really found fascinating, which was the fact that we need less motivation than we think to get started, to get going. I think one of the challenges of society society today is to discipline ourselves or to motivate ourselves to get stuff done. Yeah, it, it you know, it, this this idea occurred to me when I, it was a rainy day and I went out for a bike ride and I went out for the full bike ride. I was out there for an hour or something and I came back into my apartment building and I was wet and I was a little muddy and I was, you know, really, really dripping. Uh, And I'd had a great time. And one of my neighbors saw me and made this sort of offhanded comment. And he said, you know, wow, Peter, you are so motivated to go out there in a day like today. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, I'm not really that motivated. I only needed to be motivated, only needed to be motivated 
for a very short amount of time. I needed to be motivated long enough to get outside on my bike, maybe 30 seconds to get outside of my bike, those first couple of seconds, you know, just even the decision, like the the first step, forget about 30 seconds, maybe it's two seconds, the first step outside. Because once I'm outside, I'm not going back in. I'm not going to ride for 10 minutes and go, this is stupid and turn around and go back. I'm committed. It's easier to keep riding than it is to go back. Now, if I'm freezing cold the whole time and I'm worried about getting sick, that's different. I'm making a different kind of decision. But just the idea of being out there in the rain is not a particularly hard thing to do. But um, the motivation necessary is just in a moment. And when you actually look at motivation, that's how it works. Motivation is just in a moment. The hardest part about doing a challenging piece of work is starting it. Once you've started it, it's not that hard to keep going. It's just hard to start it. And so, you know, again, ultimately, if if you really want to force yourself through that that piece of motivation to actually just get started in something, that's a couple of seconds. And then once you've gotten started, you've gotten started. So, you know, you want to use your willpower to move through necessary motivation at the times when you have it, but you don't have to keep that willpower up because other stuff just kind of handles itself. Right. And I think one of the things you say is uh, one of the ways to do it is what you call shorten the transition time, right? Yeah. You just, you know, sometimes when people, um, you know, there's reasons why you might want to prepare someone for something. But then if you are, oftentimes they have to live in this limbo of expecting something or dreading something that hasn't quite happened yet. And you're much better off just jumping in and and you know minimizing the transition time if you tell people if you tell your kids in 3 years you're going to move you know they're going to be stressed about it for 3 years if you tell them uh, you know a uh, we're you know we've decided we're going to move in 2 months or a month cuz you do have to give them some kind of transition time for something that big but um, then, you know, you have to give people enough forewarning for what they need. But if you give them too much, they spend a lot of time uh, stressed about it. I, I, there's an organization that a very, very large, very successful organization that I worked with. And they um, were moving their headquarters or creating a big headquarters across the river in New Jersey. I live in New York. Their main buildings were all in New York. They decided to open up, uh, open up a, a building, you know, across the river in New Jersey. And, you know, people, they, they, people knew about it uh, two years in advance. I mean, they, had to, they couldn't keep that a secret. But um, they kept quiet, for example, which groups would be moving over there. And then once they told the groups, they gave each of the groups the choice. Like, do you want to move over sooner? And, and there's an advantage to that because you get the space that you want more easily. Or do you want to wait and... Uh, and you know, um, stay in New York City for another year, but uh, but then then you'll move over. And it turns out that the people who were happiest about the move were um, people who moved earlier, even if they didn't want to move. And the reason for that is because they weren't sitting in that dreading space of saying, "Oh no, I'm going to have to move to New Jersey." Not that it's so bad to live in New Jersey. But they were saying, oh, no, I have to move to New Jersey and I don't want to move to New Jersey versus the ones who left earlier who very quickly adjusted to their new reality. We adjust to our new reality very quickly. So if you stay in the space of dreading the new reality, that's much more painful than going into a new reality that is 
you know, maybe not your total choice, but that you soon realize is not as bad as you think. Yeah, we fear the unknown. We fear what's coming that we don't really know. Maybe it's a cold pool or maybe it's a, a sales call that we need to make that we're scared of. It's just like getting started or, you know, st- picking up the phone and dialing those numbers. It's it's so scary to get started that we uh, find ways to keep on delaying it and procrastinating it again and again and again. That's exactly right. That's the hardest part of having a difficult discussion is all of the time before you actually have it. And once you get into the difficult conversation, it's not so hard. You're just having it. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's true. So um, we talked about really important ideas here, Peter, but let's put some closure to it in some ways. And the way we like to do the way or one of the things we always say here is there's no learning without action. There's no learning without action. So if you were to give our listeners uh, very specific, actionable pieces of guidance or homework or assignments, three specific uh, uh, homeworks, what would they be? Great. So the first one I would say is identify what's most important for you to accomplish over the next 12 months. Just decide, like, what's most valuable to you? What's the most important thing for you that will make the biggest difference in your life? And if you achieve it, if you work towards it, will represent progress and productivity in your life. So that's step one. Do that. The second thing I would say is once you've identified that, then filter your to-do list um, through that thing. So, you know, in the book, I talk about four to five things. I give a little more information. But, but you know, just for listeners, figure out what that thing is and then start to filter your to-do list in such a way that you start to take things off of your to-do list that won't help you move towards that thing, right? That's the second thing. And then the third is to really keep yourself focused during the day. One of the best tips I have is this 18 minutes process, which is for five minutes in the morning, think about what's most important for you to accomplish. Look at that sort of, you know, filtered to-do list and move things to your calendar. Your calendar is a much better working document than your to-do list. Move what you're going to accomplish to your calendar. And then I set my watch to beep every hour for one minute. And in that minute, I ask myself two questions. What am I most Uh, Am I doing what I most need to be doing right now? And am I being who I most need to be or want to be right now? And those two questions help me really keep focused uh, during the day and help me from uh, sort of following unnecessary, unproductive tangents. And then the third piece is um, at the end of the day, five minutes at the end of the day to look back on the day and say what worked and what didn't work. What do I want to do differently tomorrow? Anybody I want to thank or update, kind of put a bow at the end of that day. So those are those are the three tips. I think if you do those three things, you'll already be well ahead of the game. Got it. And I think there's one thing you said uh, when you said, you know, move that thing for tomorrow into the calendar because there's a lot of power in deciding and pre-deciding when you're going to do it and what you're going to do, where you're going to do, like what you say, when tomorrow, right? Yeah, deciding when and where is a huge asset for moving forward on the things that are most important to you. Yeah, and there's some research that has backed it up as well. So, yeah. uh, um, great. Uh, Peter, thank you very much for taking the time to educate our listeners today. Um, tell us, how do, we, how do we get more of you and your books and everything else? Well, you can find almost everything at peterbregman.com, P-E-T-E-R-B-R-E-G-M-A-N.com. Uh, and, you know, you can find all the books there. You could find, you know, we run a bunch of training programs. So you can, if you want to look into those, you can look into that. Uh, got lots of reading material and videos on the site too. 
Got it. And you have a new book coming up, or new book that's already out that I really enjoyed called Four Seconds. Uh, tell us quickly, give us a brief synopsis of that, and maybe we'll talk about that in the future as well. Sure. If 18 minutes is about how to structure your day, Four Seconds is about what to do in each of those times. So what to do to make the most of your conversations. The The paperback is about to come out, and the subtitle is, um, it's Four Seconds, the subtitle is How to Replace uh counterproductive habits with ones that really work. And it's about saying, you know, what are the things we do that move us away from what we want? And that includes, you know, acting with other people, that includes ways of thinking, that includes ways of leading. What are the ways we lead or think or relate to others that draw us away from what's most important to us? And what are things that we can do that can draw us closer to them? Got it. Well, Peter, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thanks. My great pleasure. Okay, so let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to sit down with one of the founders of great startups of today like Dropbox, Wikipedia, Udemy, Airbnb, Groupon, and ask them real detailed stories of how they got started, how they went from $0 to the first sale to $1,000 to $100,000 to $1 million, $10 million, $100 million, even a $1 billion. I mean, how do they really go through those steps? That's what my friend Andrew Warner is doing at Mixergy, and I absolutely love the de- level of details he gets out of these founders. It's unprecedented. For example, when Andrew interviewed co-founder of Udemy, Gagan Biani, Andrew really drilled into how Udemy grew from nothing. Why did they fail for a whole summer to get any customers? How did they find a partnership? How did they make their first sale? How did they finally get traction? Andrew has done over 1,000 such interviews with some of the biggest names, and they are really helpful. And you can find all of them at Mixergy.com. Mixergy's annual membership is $399 per year, but for this launch of 2000 Books Podcast, Andrew has been very kind to give away three annual Mixergy memberships. And you can win one of these three annual Mixergy memberships worth $399 each by just texting the word SUMMARY to 44222, and you will have all the details as to how to enter the launch contest. 